Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inside Groove Podcast, the podcast that deals strictly with supermodifieds and maybe some other things that race at the Oswego Speedway. Um, my name is Tom Baker. I'm the host. This is episode 83. It is classic week. Can you feel it in your bones? If you are an Oswego Speedway fan, a Supermodified fan, and I don't care if you've been a fan for five months or five years or 50 years or 60 years, this is a special week. This is a very special week. Um, I can feel it down here in the South. Driving around this morning, I had two appointments I had to go to and just... Uh, you know, gosh, it, it just, I, I can, I can just feel it. Um, man, it's incredible. Uh, classic 65 coming up and, um, this show is, um, I have no idea where this show's going, to be honest. Uh, I kind of told myself I was not going to, um, kind of pre-think it or overthink it and it wasn't going to make it, um, hugely complicated. Um, I am excited to tell you that we have uh, two drivers from the SBS division who are on the show this week. Uh, Griffin Miller on for the second time and Noah Ratcliffe on for the first time. So uh, we'll hear from them in a little bit. And we've also, uh, obviously, we're going to have some classic conversation. And um, rather than do a classic rewind... For a specific classic, I thought it would be fun today just to talk about classic in a bit of a bigger picture way, and um, and just uh, just just go that route. Uh, you know, we boy oh boy, it's just uh, this is the week, isn't it? This is what it all comes down to. Um, lots going on, and uh, some current things to talk about actually as we go into classic. And uh, like I said, a lot going on right now, so um, this will be a fun show. Um, excited to kind of get things kicked off here, and of course, as always, we're going to kick it off with our featured guests. So um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to have the first of our two featured guests. We're going to go Noah Ratcliffe first, and then Griffin Miller second. That's how we're going to do that, so you'll hear from those two. And uh, then we'll be back to uh, talk about classic. Hey, here's a little fish tale for you. It's about a place named Skip's Fish Fry. Skip's Fish Fry is located at 42 West 2nd Street in Oswego. They're open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 7. So don't call them on Sunday or Monday. They're gone fishing. They are open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to 7. They serve a variety of great fish, burgers, Hoffman hot dogs, conies, Lobster, soup, salad. They even have cheesecake if you feel like some delicious dessert. 
I love their haddock pieces. That's one of my favorites. Uh, and they just have great food. It is the best fish in the port city. I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor of the show. It is one of the first places that I go to eat every time I'm in town. So call Skip's Fish Fry or go visit them on their website at skipsfishfry.com. And by the way, you can order online and just go pick it up. It's a great way to go ahead and take care of the not-so-fun part before you get there. And then when you get there, just pick up your food, bring it home, and enjoy. Skip's Fish Fry, 42 West 2nd Street in Oswego. Go visit them. Welcome back to The Groove. We are now going to talk to... For the first time on this show, Noah Ratcliffe. And, uh, man, Noah, you have had quite a spectacular first season uh, in the Small Block Super Modified Division. And happy to be able to talk to you on uh, the Inside Groove. Good to have you on the program. First of all, for those who don't know you, um, you are from Oswego, correct? Yep. And you go to Mexico schools with uh, Griffin, and you're both in the BOCES part of that together. Is that kind of how that works? Uh, yeah, we both take a Joe Hawksby's class out there in BOCES. Oh, see, now the truth comes out. You're learning from you're learning from the master. Okay. Um, well, Joey does a great job with all of that, and uh, really, really been great to see that. Uh, I mean, I I'm. I've known him long enough to remember when he first started doing that. So uh, that's a lot of fun. Now, um, you're 16. You're going to be 17 soon, right? So um, this is your first year in the SBS car. Talk about, take me back a little bit. How did you get started in racing? What got you interested in it in the first place? Give us a little bit of your background. Well, pretty much as far as I can remember, my dad and uh, Jason Spalding were always best friends, and uh, they one started out with my dad helping Jason in the Super Stocks. Ah. And then uh, around 2007 or so, I believe, uh, they one purchased the Big Block Super, and then they raced that until 2010. And so I've always pretty much been around as long as I can remember. Yeah, you were... Um... Gosh, you couldn't have been more than a year or two old, right, when your dad first started racing. So you really did grow up with us when your dad yeah, started helping. Yeah, for the most part, it seemed like every Saturday night we'd be at the track or working on race cars. Yeah, so um, interesting that you ended up being the one to drive. Your dad always helped Jason, and you have a brother that helps you. So now you you were, when did you start racing? Because you started in go-karts, right, at Oswego. Yep, I uh, first stepped on the go-karts in 2017, and uh, I raced that year off and on a little bit. Then 2018 was my first full season. I gotcha. And then uh, last year, 2020, I raced about half a season, then COVID happened, and that kind of put an end to most things. Yeah. Um. Okay, so now starting out in the go-kart, talk about what you remember about your first season. I mean, was it was it as easy as you thought it might be, or was it harder than you thought, or was it easier than you thought? I mean, tell us what you remember about uh, your first season behind the wheel. Uh, yeah, the go-kart, it definitely handles a whole lot different than the SBS now that I'm realizing. <laughs> yeah. But 
I wasn't great in those, but I was I was okay for for the starting out. I uh, won. I think I won about three races that season. And oh wow! Just kind of got my feet wet in the whole circle track thing. Okay, and so um, now going from the go kart to the SBS. First of all, what was behind the decision? to move up to the SBS when you did? I mean, you 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 hadn't raced anything prior to the go-kart, and you'd only had a couple of years in the go-kart. So um, why did you pick, I guess it would have been last year, to, um, to move up to the SBS? Of course, that was before COVID hit. But talk a little bit about what the uh, kind of what was the thinking there about why was it time to move up in 2020? Uh, that was actually my all my mom and my brother's idea. They uh, wow. actually when we purchased the uh, the car, the it was a Dave, former Dave Latulip car, and uh, we purchased that in 2019. So, wanting to, uh, I was outgrowing the go karts, and I had no clue that we were going to go into the SBSs until the night we actually went and picked up the car. So, oh wow, kind of jumped right into it. Now, it's unusual for somebody to say that their mom was excited for them to move up to a bigger, faster car. So you must have a pretty cool mom. Oh, yeah, for sure. She goes and (laughs) she's my biggest sponsor with Jake's Automotive and one that kind of supports the whole, whole racing deal. So talk a little bit about what it was like for you to, uh, I mean, you obviously raced at the dirt track out back, and, you know, I I have to think that, um, you know, when you're doing that, you're kind of looking at the big track while you're racing the dirt track and just dreaming of the day when you'd be racing on that track. What was it like the first time that you actually put the helmet on and strapped into the small block and took it out onto the track? Um, the first time I went on the track, I pretty much spent the first two laps just rolling around trying to figure out where to go pretty much. I mean, there's, it looks so much different from on the track than it does in the stands. Yeah, I bet it does. It was just unbelievable the, the, how big the walls are and (laughs) trying to figure everything out. Well, did you, I mean... Did you have a moment where you were thinking, what in the world am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, the first couple <laughs> practice sessions. Uh, I was just trying to figure out how to kind of run a, a big car. And I didn't have my permit at, my permit at the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a great story. Now these, you know, we have, we've had some 11-year-olds down here running full-size late models, which I think is ridiculous, but the, welcome to 2021. And and, uh, and and they actually did all right, um, but it's just amazing to think that you're driving a, a, a race car at, you know, 100 miles an hour before you ever get into a – ever have a permit for a street car. So that – I'm sure that was interesting. Um, how – at what point did you feel like you started to kind of settle down and get comfortable? How many times go into the track before you – sort of felt like you halfway knew what you were doing because the one advantage you guys all had last year was that um, 
I mean, even though there were the, the fact that there were no races, you still got all the Friday practices. So, or Saturdays, whatever days they held them. So you were able to get a lot of individual time on the track. It, how many times did you have to go to the track before you started to feel like you were uh, getting the hang of it? Well, uh, by the second practice or so, we kind of went and worked out all the bugs and stuff in the car. And by the second practice, I was actually going and getting up to speed. And I think I ran like a nineteen seven or so my second time out. So, oh wow, was that yeah, your second time on the track or your second time going to the track? Uh, second time on the track or. Yeah, second time on the track with the car. Wow. So it only took you, by your second practice session, you were actually running under 20 seconds? Yeah. Uh, the first practice session, I mean, that kind of took us slow and took it easy. One fixed a couple of things on the car, and then the second time I was just kind of hold it down and <laughs> see if it will fall apart or not. <laughs> Well, thank God it didn't. When you yeah. when you fall apart, you eat foam. That's when the car falls apart. You generally eat foam, so you don't want to do that. Uh, wow, that's pretty amazing, dude. Second time out and and being able to 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 run as quickly as you did. And you've, I mean, you've done a great job all season. Um, I'm curious though because you know, I, I it it's funny to watch like a driver come in to a new class or whatever, especially somebody as young as you are with his little racing experience. And it's like, you can, you can practice like week after week after week by yourself. And you get to a point where by yourself, you can run pretty quick. And then all of a sudden you put, you know, 20 other cars on the track and it's like, Whoa, wait a minute. Um, so how was your first night of racing, um, this year and kind of tell us a little bit about how your season's gone. Uh, yeah, I mean, the first, uh, open practice, they went and put all the rookies on the track with everyone else. I mean, that was something else. I was pretty much almost terrified because <laughs> it's a lot, a lot easier to go around the track by yourself That's and nobody for sure. else yeah. going and as soon as you get someone next to you, it gets a little nerve wracking. Well, when you think but, you're going 180 miles an hour until somebody blows by you and then it's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a. One have ran up on someone, and I was terrified to pass. And next thing I see Griffin go right by me, and I was like, "Oh, I can go and do that." So that's <laughs> well, where it kind of all started. Can do it. <laughs> if he can do it, I can do it, right? Um, yep. Now, do you guys have any kind of a like a little uh, friendly rivalry? I mean, do you kind of um, you 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 kind of try to beat each other every week? Uh, I mean, obviously, you were part of a huge rookie class together, so. Um, you know, talk a little bit about what it's like to race against him. Um, yeah, he's a great driver, and he's raced the Super Stocks for a couple of years, I believe. And yeah, I, I'd say we have a little bit of a friendly rivalry. I mean, I always tend to seem like I drive a little bit harder every time I see him near me. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's probably the case, and uh, that's. That's what those are the little things that as a fan, once you know <laughs> once you know that and and you kinda know that that's the case, then I think you tend to watch those things a little closer and um 
you know, so that's pretty, um, that's pretty cool. Now you ended up, um, what fourth in, in points this year? Uh, I think if I, if my, if I can read my handwriting correctly, <laughs> fourth in points. Yep. Uh, one, I believe we're me and Brian Haynes were actually racing for third the last night out and he ended up beating me by like six points, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I, okay. I thought that was a four and I think eight thirty-seven, if I'm reading this correctly is what your points total ended up being. And that gave you rookie of the year, right? Yep. Wow. I mean, could you have imagined yourself um, being rookie? I mean, when you started the season, um, with especially with a rookie class as big as this one was and all the talent that was in it, did you see yourself being able to pull that off and get rookie of the year and finish the top five in points of the entire division? I had no clue if the year's going to go as well as it really did. I uh, My whole goal for the whole season was just finish a couple of races and try to stay in the lead lap. And next thing you know, I'm running top 10 in the race and just actually going finishing on the lead lap. And I was really impressed with myself. If you had uh, drivers, other drivers that have helped you, do you have drivers that you kind of look up to and, and, um, you know, been able to ask questions to during the years have been, you know, folks that have kind of helped you along the way? Uh, yeah, Jason Spalding's been a huge help to me. He's always going and watching me go around in a circle and telling me where I can go and get a little better here and there. And and now, what is your? How are you preparing for the classic? Because this is a obviously going to be your first classic race. Um, Seventy-five laps, probably longer than you've ever run. Uh, at least, obviously, in the in the SBS car, I think, right? So how, or no, I guess you would have, was it 75 in the spring too? I keep forgetting we had a classic in the spring. Did you guys go 75 in the spring? Yep, uh, it was a full 75 That's lapper. Right. And okay. How did that go? I've forgotten where you finished in that one. How'd you do in that? Oh, I believe I finished seventh or so. Okay. That, yeah, that race was a whole lot different than I would imagine it would be. Oh, I bet. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It's definitely. Uh, that's a long race for the for the SBS division. Um, now, what did you learn from that race that you can kind of put into action to help you better yourself in terms of your finish in this race upcoming? Uh, the biggest thing was I honestly thought the pace of the whole race at the beginning would be a lot slower than it actually was. Something like everyone else was going as fast as they could the entire race and i kind of slacked off for the first 20 laps or so and kind of got myself in a bad situation so had to go and try working my way up from there well you i i imagine this time you'll uh you'll know to kind of and it is amazing you would think that it would be more of kind of an endurance race but I don't think that the SBS division has ever run their classic like that. I think everybody just uh, stands on it and goes. And, um, you know, it's a, it's, that has to be, I mean, you're only running 30, you know, laps, whatever, 35 a week. Um, And then you go and run 75. That's over double. That has to be a really different experience as a driver. Oh, for sure. I mean, you're running, little over twice the fuel load you're so the car is always going to be super tight and 
you just kind of hope you don't go and burn up your tires for the first 50 laps or so and see something at the end. Yeah, see, that's what I would, I have always thought that, you know, common sense would say, save your tires at least for, you know, 25 or 30 laps before you start. Um, but nobody ever really does. <laughs> so I guess that's why you all are driving and I'm, um, I'm doing a talk show, basically. Uh, what do I know? But uh, I know you can't do all this by yourself. So I'm going to ask you about next year here in a minute. But before I do that, I want you to take take the time to uh, thank, you know, team sponsors, whoever that you need to, and take as long as you need to to do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, my biggest sponsor right now is Jake's uh, Automotive. They've won and supplied all the parts and the car, actually, so. And then uh, Cooper Customs Canvas, they've been on board all year with uh, tire covers and whatnot. And uh, my brother, he's the he's the man behind all of it. He goes and does all well, most of all the maintenance, me and him do. And then my mom goes and supplies just about everything for us. And then uh, my sister, her boyfriend, they go and they're pretty much my pit crew each weekend. So they're a big help. Well, that's uh, it's awesome to to see brothers working together on a car like that. That's really cool, and uh, obviously we have a lot of uh, family and generational uh, racing groups at Oswego and have had for decades now, which is really neat. Um, and uh, great to see you out there and, and getting your feet wet on the fast five A's now. Um, what are your plans for next year? Are you going to run the uh, the small block again, or has there been any talk about maybe moving up to a 350? Uh, next year, our plan is just keep running the SBS, and eventually we want to go and try getting to the 350s. But as of right now, just the SBS and see if we can't go and move up a couple spots in the points championship so yeah you'd probably like to move up about four wouldn't you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well if you progress as much next year as you did this year uh you got a shot at it man you've been fun to watch for sure i think you've done a fantastic job for the limited amount of real racing experience that you've had um you know i think you've done a really really good job you 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 run very well. You seem to be a very calculating kind of driver. Don't take a lot of big chances and just uh, concentrate on being smooth. And that's that's how you finish races. So congratulations on a, a big season and uh, go in and enjoy the classic. Obviously, that's a it's a big weekend and, and I'm sure it's going to be um, the spring classic was kind of a warm up act. I feel like uh, given the situation at the time and um you know, I feel like this one's going to be the real thing for you, and, and uh, you'll you'll uh, you'll have a great time. And I I hope that you have a a safe and successful race, and um and and get yourself a good finish to end the season with. Yeah, me too. Will you go run? Uh, I guess there's uh, potentially a show at Evans Mills in the fall. Will you guys go run that if they have it? Uh, yep. We're uh, that's our next plan after classic. Go and get the car ready for. Evans Mills, and we might have a second car up there. So, oh really? Sure how, yeah, we're uh, thinking about it. Not not set on it yet, but as of right now, I think we're planning on bringing at least two cars up there. Okay, now do you have a second car already? Uh, yep, we have a 
It's a Dave Little Tulip car, the his F, old FFB. Oh. And uh, yeah, we went and bought our uh, the car that I race weekly, the Dalton Doyle former one. We bought that one about a month or so before uh, opening day of ah. the races. So. Okay, so you have two cars now. If you bring the second car. Would you, would it just be a, a backup for you, or would somebody else be driving it? Oh, uh, someone else would be driving it. We're not sure who yet, but we'll go and see who goes and steps up to the plate. So interesting. Okay, well, a little more breaking news here on the groove this week. Uh, possibly uh, an open seat available for the Nora Show at Evans Mills. Uh, so that that should be fun. Well, you know, again, uh, good to talk to you. It's great to have you on the show. Congratulations on a very, very, um, you know, very well put together first season. Very mature young racer. You seem to be on the track and uh, just looking forward to seeing what you can do in the classic. And uh, and then, you know, as 2022 gets going to see if you can take a run at the track championship. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here in Inside Groove, Indy Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, super modifieds. It doesn't matter if you've got something that you need designed or fabricated. Let them help you transform your idea, your vision, and your budget into a workable, high-performance solution. They have all kinds of services from 3D printing to finishing services, end-to-end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or indieperformancecompositesinc.com and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove set you. Welcome back to The Groove. We have Griffin Miller with us now on the program. And uh, this is Griffin's second appearance on the uh, the show, but uh, the first appearance after a win. Uh, we uh, didn't get a chance to catch up with him this past week after he'd won the week before, so we're catching up with him now. Griffin, first of all, good to have you back on the show. Congratulations on getting your first win at the Oswego Speedway. Yeah, I'm glad to be back on the show. It was a fun time last time. And, uh, thanks, but thank you for the win. It was a, uh, it was pretty cool getting that win. Yeah, I mean, it uh, definitely the first win's always special. Um, talk a little bit about the evening, how you know, kind of how how that race went, how it played out for you, to end up getting into victory lane. Well, it uh, we uh, we've been struggling all year with uh, getting the car back to the way it was after I wrecked it at the first open practice this year. Yeah, I took the front clip off the car, and we've just been. Slowly and slowly, slowly getting back to the way we were and uh, had some solid speed and hot laps that night. And um, the heat race, got my first heat win in that. That was pretty cool after holding off Josh Sokolik, who's a quick runner, almost won the championship. And uh, started uh, fifth in the pack, fifth in the feature. Worked my way up. I've been really impressed with myself on my restarts. I've been really getting good at those. That that really helped me out getting track position. 
And uh, it all came down to that last corner where I, Cameron Rowe slowed up big time at a four. And, I mean, I gave him a little nudge, but it's like he stopped almost and uh, ended up getting the win there. Now, yeah, and obviously, you know, people had different views of that. Uh, and, you yeah. know, it's 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 interesting because and, – and, look, I, I'm – I'm as guilty of it as anybody at times, and I shouldn't be. Um, you know, you, you, everybody can Monday morning race car drive, but the reality is that in that in that split second when something like that happens, you really never quite know. Um, unless you're in the cars, you really don't know exactly yeah. what was going on. So certainly it wasn't anything you meant to do, and it no. was unfortunate for Cameron because he'd run such a great race. Um, you know, but um, that's, you know, that's... Uh, that's just part of the sport, and uh, it was good that you got your first win. Talk about your season in general. I mean, um, obviously, you had a lot of time last year to uh, run around in circles by yourself, but, um, you know, this was obviously the first time this year that you'd had a chance to race at Oswego in the car that you have now. And, and um, so talk about how your season's gone so far. What's it been like compared to what you expected? Um, I mean, I was really looking forward to it going into the year, but like I said, that crash at practice was a huge setback, and um, like we've had our ups and downs for sure this year. We've had some tough luck getting caught up in other people's stuff, and I mean, I've created my own problems. And we've just we lacked in speed at first, but I was my one of my favorite moments of the year besides that win was. After I totaled that car at open practice, and we came out and got a top five that first race after putting 60 hours of work in, getting that car ready, Special, especially for John, the car owner. He busts bust his balls on that car, and it's uh, it was cool to get that top five after that tough crash, you know? Yeah. And uh, we've had some good battles with people. I've gained a lot of experience. Um, it's really been – I think it's been a really good year. It was unfortunate I didn't end up getting the rookie of the year, but my good buddy Noah, I go to school with him, ran a real consistent year, and the, uh, he deserves that. Yeah, he's actually um, he's coming on next, just so you know. So, oh, uh, is he? Yeah. Cool. So if you got like any dirt on him, tell us now, no. so we can. Oh, nope. Okay. No. <laughs> he's okay. a great kid. I I enjoy <laughs> racing him. I tried, folks. I tried. Uh, so <laughs> talk a little bit about uh, because obviously I think most people know, but for those who don't. Um, you are part of a famous racing family. Talk about uh, the other folks in your family. And, uh, I mean, I could, but I'd rather you do it because uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on uh, Steve and, and uh, well, all, all of your family. There are a number of uh, Joe and, and uh, Kelly and, um, you know, just it's a great family and one of uh, Oswego's uh, pillar families, I think. So talk a little bit about what it's like to be a part of the Miller family and uh, what memories maybe that you have of, uh, you know, of the others racing. Yeah, um, definitely. We've, uh, we've been doing it for a while. Uh, really, like one of my first memories, like growing up was hanging out in the race shop with my dad, just uh, him teaching me how to change tires on the car and uh messing with ratchets in the garage and stuff like that um uh my grandfather he everyone knows him i mean everyone <laughs> he's knows been him. around he's been doing it forever owning whether he driving back in the day or owning the car for years um 
always going down there on every Wednesday night in the summer, going over for race car night and hanging out with all the guys and learning so much growing up about super modifieds of falling in love with the Swiggo Speedway and the Supers. Uh, my uncle also raced super stocks with my dad back in like the late early, late 90s to the 2000s before he jumped up to a super. Um, he uh, he drove my uh, my grandfather's super for a sure while did. there. Yep. And uh, now we got the next generation of the family. Me and my cousin Steve. He's still putting together his 350. Hopefully for next year. I was wondering um, about that because I kept thinking he was going to get out this year, and uh, now it's almost gone. So you, I guess uh, now it's 2022 for Steven, huh? Yeah, they've they've really been taking their time with that, making sure everything's right the way they want it, you know. And they are uh, getting the motor, and they're the thing's going to be a show car for sure. They're gonna they spent a lot of time doing the body on that, all the fiberglass work. Oh wow! Definitely, it's going to be a pretty car for sure. It's going to look just like the old big block. I can't wait. Uh, your dad or your grandpa, um, you know, of course, I started going in 1973. And if I started rattling off the list of drivers that your grandfather had in his car just in the first, like, three or four years I was going. Um, yeah, we'd be here all night. <laughs> we'd be here a while, and I'd probably forget half of them at this point, the way my brain works lately. But um, he, it, I always love that about your grandpa because in that day, and he wasn't the only one, in that day, you know, Herm Graf would have a lot of different drivers. Your dad would – your uh, sorry, your grandpa would have a lot of different drivers. Um, you know, there were car owners back in that day. Ralph Wissing had – I mean, Gary Kelly most of the time, but there were other drivers and now the four. Um, you know, it, um, it that was a different period of time. And your grandpa – I don't think a lot of those guys back then, and of course, I guess it's natural, and you're probably in the same boat now. You don't think about the impression and the impact that you leave on the fans, especially the young ones. Um, you don't think about the impression and the impact that what you're doing has um, until much later when. You know, people start telling you 20 years from now, kind of like I think Captain Dates really has has observed that and understood that, yep. you know, over the last year. I mean, he just didn't think anyone would still care. And, and you you know, you see the reception that that, that whole project got. And so um, there's a great reverence for what goes on at Oswego Speedway still today. And so yep. um, when when you say it's going to look just like the big block, I love hearing that because um, it'll make people think back to that time too. And uh, so that'll be fun to see that car come out next year. And of course you, um, you went with uh, the number nine and went with, uh, I love the color, the, the, the gray on yep, your car. You. I just love that. I love that color. Um, looks really sharp. And now, do you feel like, for the most part, that the season has lived up to the expectations that you had for it when you started, or no? Um, yeah, I, I'd say it, it, uh, it lived up to my expectations. I wasn't, I wasn't planning on going to set the world on fire, win every race, like in my dreams. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I ran well. I, uh, I'm proud of how I've done, and uh, I'm looking forward to just getting better and 
uh, gain more experience, and we'll see what happens in the future. Well, okay, so let's talk about the near future first. We have this little thing called the Classic coming up in a couple weeks. You might have heard of it. Um, How are you preparing for the SBS version of that, and uh, do you feel like you have a car capable of going out and winning, given that Mike Bond hasn't lost a Classic race in about 37 years? (laughs) Yeah, um... (laughs) It's it is tough knowing that if he shows up, he's probably going to win. But um, <laughs> it's kind of in that we're gonna really. <laughs> we're all out there racing for second, I guess. <laughs> no, but uh, it'd be it'd be cool if uh, if we could pull off a solid run. And the the spring classic this year, we uh, we had an overheating problem on like lap forty. So we're definitely going to try and make the distance and finish the race this time for sure. Um, that's a it's a long race. Seventy five laps is a lot of laps. For that i'm actually running 275 lappers on classic weekend oh so you're gonna uh, run the um the uh super stock race right yep yeah very nice well you ran you ran the other day too uh did you oh uh, yeah i was going the car was there we, we were i was gonna race but uh unfortunately i had a fuel line problem oh okay okay because i knew i had heard that you were gonna um now in that race honestly um and i I talked to Jody London a little bit about it uh, and uh, afterward, and that race was probably the best super stock race that I've ever seen at the Oswego Speedway, oh, yeah. and that was an incredible yep. race, and yep. I can only hope that the, you know, the uh, London, Dave London Memorial race um, is is half as competitive and exciting as that was. That was a fun race to watch. Yeah, it's it's one it's the biggest super stock race in the entire northeast, I yep. think. It's uh it's huge. A lot of you'll probably get like sixty cars there for that and uh I hope so. It'll be it'll be a best one of the best shows of the weekend for sure. Now, what's the difference um between driving a super stock at Oswego and driving your SBS, what 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 are the differences in what each car demands of you as a driver in terms of driving style? Um, I think the biggest difference is um, the aerodynamics. I mean, the you can get through the corners a lot faster. You, you would get down the straightaways a lot faster. I mean, there's like like a three or three and a half second difference between the cars' speed and lap times. Um, I personally feel like uh, the SBSs drive a lot smoother. Really? Because that, yeah. Um, I think the steering rack instead of the steering box definitely ah, plays a big change there. Okay. Um, but I mean, it, it's fun to wheel a super stock around there, though. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely not as smooth, but you gotta put a little more muscle into it and get the elbows out. But it's <laughs> they're still they're they're completely different, but they're both a lot of fun. Well, and the thing with the super stocks that I love, and I, I really had hoped that the limited now SBS class would evolve into this, and it did for a while, and then I think that um, some things just got out of hand. But I'm, I'm hoping now with the, with the rule package that it has, I still hope it can be built this, to this. But the, the thing that I really love about when the super stocks run a big race is that everybody shows up so you have these big 60 car fields and i i can remember back in the 70s of course even the super modifieds in the 70s we get you know 55 60 cars for classic sometimes but yep. um 
the modifieds, you get, you know, up to 70 or 80 cars that would, would come in in the, in the, in the mid seventies for the modified 200s. And you'd run, you know, six or seven heat races and about three consies. It was just, oh, yeah. and that super stock race the other day kind of reminded me of that just a little bit. And I, I feel like if we, you know, if we could get all, all the racers to, to come in and support the, uh, the London Memorial race on, on classic weekend, like you said, you get 50 or 55 of those cars. And I think we're going to have that many or close of the, uh, um, the, the little, uh, four cylinder cars too. Um, I think, you know, you start getting that really big race because that's when it's fun is when you got a race against all those guys and girls and you get, you know, you put the car in the show and have a good finish or go out and win. You've beaten 50 cars. You've really done something. And I think the super stocks kind of provide that, you know, that atmosphere uh, to, to the weekend. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's uh, it's definitely a treat if you make the show. That's a, that, that's a win right there for sure. Um uh, I last the last classic the 2019 when they were there last time. Yeah, I had a had a good run going, but uh, unfortunately blew a tire and my lack of experience. I put it in the foam. Yeah, I remember so, that. But I've you and a lot of other people that night. Tire feels like now. <laughs> yeah, there were a number of foamers that night. Uh, the foam yeah. blocks uh, got 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 a real workout that night. That was um, there were a lot of wrecks and that. Hopefully not so many this year, but. Um, you know, it is definitely a, a a great race, and I really enjoy it. Where do you ra- when you do you still race the super stock uh, with any kind of consistency, or is that just kind of a once in a while at a swiggo thing? Now that you've got um, the SBS, yeah, I mean, I used to, like before the SBS. That's what I'd that's what I'd run consistently. And where were with you the running New York it? Super Stock Series? Usually at like uh, okay, so you're touring. Yeah, uh, it's like Spencer Speedway. Yeah. Um, Back when that was open weekly, uh, Evans Mills, uh, Shemung Speedrome, Lancaster, Shangri-La when that was open. I mean, we'd uh, we've we've been around a few different places. You've you've been around all the good asphalt tracks in New York State, probably about all the asphalt tracks in New York State actually <laughs> yeah. over time, right? Uh, and you know, and really, um, I mean, it had to be fun because you get tracks like Shemung that's just a little kind of tight little bowling kind of track, and then you get um, you get Spencer that's pretty much a paperclip, paper right? And then you get, yep. you know, Oswego that's blindingly fast. Evans Mills, just a really nice track. Lancaster, a lot of history there. Did you have a favorite other than Oswego of, of the tracks that you used to race? Uh, it's it's a, definitely a close one between uh, uh, Spencer and Evans Mills. I, uh, I really like those tracks there. They're two completely different tracks, but I I like them both for different reasons. Well, explain the reasons. I'm curious because you're right. Those are kind of not quite – I wouldn't say opposite extremes. So if you'd said, like, Shemung uh, and Oswego, I might have said that's opposite extremes. But um, Spencer and Evans Mills are not completely opposite extremes, but they are very different. Why those two tracks? Uh, Evans Mills, I uh, it's another track I've uh, grown up watching that I – we got my dad's buddies always raced up there with their super stocks, and uh, I finally got the chance to race there a few times. And the it's real racy. I mean, you do you'll get moved, or you'll move people. <laughs> um, but it's it's a little bull ring. Uh, yep. I like the place. It's uh, 
you don't you'll get like the the lower buck guys who don't have the biggest motors you know that they can run up front because of the you don't you right. know, have the big straightaways like Oswego and Spencer and Lancaster but uh I mean you get you can get a different winner every week there yeah it's really and, uh, interesting that's a I love that track I worked there I think in like 1998 or whatever it was shortly after it wet pavement and reopened and just had a blast working up there yeah it's it's uh it's a cool place for sure and then Spencer, why Spencer? Because I, I hear a lot of people say they hate Spencer. And, you know, I, I know that there's a fan base there that takes that kind of personally, but it's just, it's a hard track because it's it's so flat. I mean, it's just a different, yep. I used to love watching races there. Um, talk a little bit about why you like Spencer. Uh, I like Spencer because um, it, I, uh, you really can, you can use your motors there for sure. They got the long straightaways. Um, it's, it's definitely a little tough to drive without, I mean, there is zero degrees of banking there. Yeah. It's completely flat, but, um, always great race in there. It's a great community there when, uh, I wish it was open weekly still, but I believe the, we went out there earlier in the summer with the race of champions for the super stocks ran out there. Um, it was it was nice to be back there first time in like three years I was able to race there, so hopefully uh, we'll be able to run there again. I I really do like that place. Yeah, I always used to enjoy going to watch races there. I mean, it, it was an easy trip. It was straight out 104. You can't yeah um, can't miss it. And um, you know, it was just a nice. It was a fun thing to do on a Friday night. And uh, you know, saw a couple of super modified races there back in the day. I don't remember a whole lot about them other than um, it just seemed like. Again, you know, the guys that could, um, you know, that, that could pass time properly were the guys that ran up front. Um, it's just all about setting up passes there because it's so flat. You don't have the banking to yep. help you. So it's just a different a kind of, a, yeah, a lot of momentum. Exactly. It's a, it's a really different kind of, um, kind of deal. And, and so that, that had to be, um, a fun time to go race there with the super stock. And I, I just, uh, I always did like the Super Stocks as a class anyway, and I, I was so excited when um, Jody started running this race at, at Oswego for them, and to see it grow to where he's grown it is just amazing. He's 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 as hard-working a promoter as I've ever seen in the yeah, sport. Yeah, he is a he heck does of a, a great promoter, job. he's yeah. a great guy, too. He's he real really fun. is. <laughs> very passionate about what he's doing, and I think that's, that's what it takes. You have to be very passionate about what you're doing, and... Um, you know, there isn't, uh, it, it's, 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 uh, it's a tough deal to promote a race or a track or a series, anything in this sport anymore. Um, and Jody has really set a great example of how hard work can pay off. And, and, uh, I can't wait to see what, uh, uh, between that and the compacts, uh, can't wait to see what happens over classic weekend. Not sure if I'll be there in person or watching it on flow, but one way or the other, uh, I'm really going to be excited to, uh, take that all in. So, um, okay. So now let's talk about next year. I'm assuming, um, you're, you're at least for the moment, you're planning on being back in the uh, SBS for next year. Is there any thought that maybe eventually you'd like to move up to a 350 or, a even a big block super. Yes, uh, there is. There's definitely that thought there for the 350, at least for now. I mean, as much as I'd like to get a big block, that's just a lot of money. It is, you know. Yep, sure is. But we, uh, my car owner John Altman, uh, we we've had this talk about getting into the 350. Um, 
definitely want to keep my grandfather involved if when we move up to a super. Oh yes. He'd uh, I he even though he uh, he doesn't know the, everything about the SBS, but he's still he 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 hooks that thing up for me. And, oh, I'm uh, sure he does. And he knows even more about supers, so it'd be even better, I think, there. But uh, yeah, we've we've had the talk maybe about picking up a chassis or something over the winter and slowly Aha. putting it together. Maybe pick up a show next year, later in the year. Well, but there you uh, go. I I think the plan right now is to keep running full time with SBS next year. Well, um, definitely excited to see how you progress as you continue uh, to race that that car uh, and. Um, I hope that you um, have a safe and successful classic. Uh, are there any plans? I, I haven't. Uh, I should. I should ask Mike Bruce this question, but um, he's been promoting him. But are there any plans for any Nora shows at uh, Evans Mills after the classic? Is there anything scheduled? Uh, I believe there is the fall brawl at Evans Mills when nice. they're going to have the modifieds, the super stocks, and the limiteds out there. Oh, there you so go. I, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Double I know duty? the super stocks are there. There's a that's a points race for them, and I'll be there for that. Okay, and so double hopefully duty. the limited too. Good deal. Well, uh, certainly look forward to seeing how well you do Classic Weekend, and thanks for taking some time. I know you can't do all of this by yourself. So before we let you go here, tell us who helps you make everything happen. Your sponsors, your crew, whoever you want to thank. Floor is yours. Yep. Uh, Definitely got to thank, first off, John Altman for putting his, a lot of his time and his money into that SBS. I mean, that car is its the best it can be every week, and I cannot thank him enough for that. Uh, my grandfather for uh, helping out with the setup and uh, coming out from the his work at the on the Indy cars and stuff like that on, on Saturday nights. Uh, Rita, John's girlfriend, for hooking us up with food every Saturday and doing a great job taking setup notes. Um, my dad, of course, uh, coming out to help us all the time uh, and giving us his knowledge as well. And uh, for sponsors, I got my uncle's uh, Miller Machine and Mechanical, um, Front Door Tavern, uh, CPA, uh, the Corporate corporate uh, or Packaging Corporate of America. They uh, gave us a good chunk for the season. We appreciate that. Um, Brandon's Pub out of Fairhaven. Um, and uh, Steve's Body Shop. Those are my, uh, my big thanks there. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses. No problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Inside Groove. And uh, after a couple of weeks away, we have 
uh, got Camden Proud on the line to help us talk about the classic upcoming and uh, happy that we could connect with Cam before we got this show out this week. Um, unfortunately, not under the greatest of circumstances because Camden has just found out that uh, he's not going to be able to compete in the classic with his 54 car because of some uh, issues with the motor that they discovered uh, during his uh, practice session yesterday. So, Cam, welcome back to the show. Really hate that you're not going to be um, able to uh, put the uh, gold car in the field this year. But, um, you know, obviously uh, it, there's always next year. I know that doesn't uh, isn't a great consolation for you, but uh, thankfully you caught it before you found or it did any more damage to the motor, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. It's just... We're we're gutted right now. It's it's super disappointing, obviously, but it's just the way this year has gone, and at this point, it's beyond our control. So just try to suck it up and move on to next year. Yeah, I mean that's about all you can do. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna give you a minute here because I want you to um, I want you to say thanks to your sponsors because I know you have a lot of people that kind of lifted you up to bring you back after the crash. Um, and, uh, so go ahead here and, uh, just say thanks to whoever you need to floor yours. Yeah, that would be great. I'd like to thank all of our sponsors, Ken's body shop, Ontario accessibility solutions, Oswego quality carpet, budget signs, Poland's plumbing and heating, step one creative and compass credit union. And we, we had a lot of anonymous fans step up and, and donate to our team after that crash. And I've, I've never had anything like that happen before in my career, and I was just uh, humbled beyond words to, to get that support. So I wish we could have all those great sponsors and people riding with us this weekend. But, um, again, there's nothing we can do, and, and we'll move on to 22. Well, exactly right. Uh, if anybody's got a backup car out there, uh, Camden's looking. So there you go. Um, all right. Uh, let's see here. We've got an entry list uh, for the Classic and – uh, an interesting entry list at that 32 cars is um, what I see here. So maybe uh, a car too short of, of a full field. But um, again, uh, it is what it is, as they say, because uh, Canadian border is 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 that still closed or is that open now? Oh, it's well, the Canadian border is open, but we're not smart enough to do the same thing and, and let the Canadians in here. So. <laughs> it's oh. not working out so well for the classic. Oh, I see. Okay, well, that's interesting. So we, so you can go to Canada, but if you're in Canada, you can't come to the U.S. Is that right? Right. That's correct. <laughs> well, okay. Um, interesting. We'll just move on. Um, I feel bad for the Canadian competitors who would love to come and run. That's uh, that's really a shame. Um, but uh, so we're close to a full field, and it's a quality field as well. Um, I mean, I, I don't know, honestly, uh, I think a couple of people that I might say are surprises only because we haven't seen them all year. I, we could start with um, Bobby Santos in Jeff West's car. That's going to be an interesting uh, entry for the Classic. They've not been at the track all year, so this will be their first time competing at Oswego this season, right? Right, yeah, it is, and it's going to be interesting. That's actually a brand-new Hawk car, and this was the car that Jeff ordered for, for Greg Furlong because the car that Bobby had driven in the Classic in 2019, that was destroyed when Greg had the stuck throttle right. at Kalamazoo. Yeah. So this is the brand-new car. It's never ran at Oswego. 
and it's it's going to be actually really interesting to see how the the newest hot car is going to perform uh, with the tailwind. So I'm I'm looking forward to that, and obviously Bobby to have a driver of his caliber here is going to be great, and he's been close several times in the classic. So obviously that's a big storyline heading into the weekend. Yeah, it is for sure. And um, are they scheduled for any pre-race practice at all? Yep, tomorrow, tomorrow all day from Friday. 11 to 3 and 4 to 8. So Okay, so, um, so well, wait a minute, uh, tomorrow's Thursday, sorry. We're recording this on Wednesday. Tomorrow is Thursday, uh, so so they'll be there virtually all day tomorrow. That's uh, That'll give them some some uh, a good opportunity to dial the car in. Doug Didero coming back, uh, he hasn't been back since the Spring Classic, right? Uh, or has he? No, he hasn't. He hasn't been back since the fire, and they just finished up the car last week. Saw it last night. It looks great. Good. And I'm I'm really happy you decided to come back and do this. Um, gosh, who else here other than the regulars? Uh, the Crazy Eight says TBA. Um, that could be interesting. I would suspect maybe Danny Kay jumps in it again. That's what I would think. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about it, but um, I would assume it would probably be Danny. He had a good run with it in the Spring Classic, so I don't know why they wouldn't put him in it again, you know. He's added a uh, an SBS championship since then, so I yeah. I yep. think he's uh, think he's proven he's capable. Uh, so uh, perhaps Danny K, but we'll see. Uh, Max McLaughlin not able to be at Oswego this weekend. That's why that ride's open. Um, Eric Iosu coming back. We love that. Joey Payne going to be there. Uh, Michael Muldoon is entered with a 15. We haven't seen a whole lot of Mike this year either, so it'll uh, be interesting to see how he performs. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. They had that car turning really good in Can of Wings and actually almost darn near won the thing and haven't had quite as much luck with the Oswego setup, but they're definitely going to have speed in the car this weekend. Mike McVetta uh, in the 22 car entered out of Ohio. Great to see Mike running uh, without the uh, the top wing, and that should be a lot of fun. And I see Definitely. two more on this page that are uh, intriguing. Tyler Schulich coming back in the extreme chassis number 25 that Bob Bond owns. Um, Tyler, again, not been at Oswego all year, but he certainly knows how to get around. And Jamie Timmons. In the uh, 27 car from Massachusetts, also entered for the Classic. So two more guys that could um, could factor in. It's good to see Jamie coming back and running again. Yeah, both of those are really good, and it was nice to see them use the races in August to, to kind of tune their cars in. And uh, Tyler's got a former Classic winning car, great opportunity. He only has one super race under his belt, and it was in the Classic in 2018. And he got a top 10. I believe he finished eighth. So. Yeah. It'll be really fun to watch Tyler. He's a shoe, and uh, it's great to see Jamie coming out to support Oswego as well. He's he's ventured out here a lot more the last couple of seasons, and, and that's exciting to see. Yeah, it should be uh, should be really interesting. Uh, I'm I'm if you're listening to this, I'm skipping over the Oswego regulars on purpose. We'll get to them in a minute. Uh, Russ Wood um, back entered in the uh, John Coloca 41 car out of Pelham, New Hampshire, and Russ was there in the Spring Classic and. Uh, you know, again, it's it's different, I'm sure, for him running with the tail wing versus the top wing. Um, he hadn't run. Uh, I don't think he'd ever run a car with a tail wing before. So I'm sure that uh, he'll get better this time after having more time to adjust. Is he going to do any pre-race testing at all? 
I don't know yet. He hasn't signed up. I would think that he would, but um, I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to do. He yeah. qualified 11th in the spring, and uh, that was that was definitely respectable and yeah. made it up, I think, to 8th, and then something broke on the car. I can't remember what it was, but he, he was certainly running well, and I'm excited to watch Russ. He's another driver that's been close way too many times yeah. in the Classic, so he's still it, it would be nice to see him have a good run. It would be, and we know that uh, the car is capable. We just got to get uh, all of that put together. Uh, Chris Purley, um Again, no stranger to uh, he won a, he's won a feature at Oswego uh, with the Oswego setup. No stranger to that. Uh, back entered in the Vic Miller Hawk car, and uh, also happy to see Bobby Bond back um, with his uh, Hawk chassis as well. That um, that for me is uh, going to be fun to watch because again, he's a guy he doesn't run very much, but when he runs, he's always fast. Right, yeah, and that's the car he's won both of his classics with and came out last week to test and was down to 16.5 right out of the yeah. box. So I, I know that Bobby's always going to be a threat in the classic especially. He knows how to run that race, and he's there at the end. Keith Champagne going to be back in the 55. Uh, he hasn't run too much this season, but, uh, again, always a threat. Um, and then looking a little further down the entry list, good to see Todd Stoll uh, is going to be back, and Logan Ravel's also going to race. Uh, he will be a Canadian driver that will run. Jack Patrick also entered. So a few guy, a few more guys that we haven't seen on a weekly basis that are certainly uh, um, looking forward to good runs in the Classic. I don't know how Logan's getting across the border, but I'm, I'm glad that they are, and it's really cool that we're going to have a Canadian entry because, uh, well, other than Doug, he's originally Canadian, but to yeah. have somebody that's actually living in Canada able to sneak over and, and make this happen, I wish they were all able to do it because it's it's costing us five cars. The, the Canadian car At count's least, growing a little yeah. bit this year. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's kind of insane that um, yeah. you can go one way but not the other. That doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense, but then so little does these days. Um, I noticed in the, the – I noticed in, in on the Facebook page uh, with the entry list, Theodore LeFave, Ted LeFave asked the question, no soul 32. It's a legitimate question. What uh, Do you know what the status is and um, whether or not uh, maybe we might see that car this weekend? I heard that they wanted to focus on the wing deal and they didn't feel that they were competitive enough in the spring classic. Ah, that's too bad. Um, it is. It really is a shame. Um, yeah. You know, we, uh, we the Souls are, again, one of those long-time uh, family pillars of the Oswego Speedway, and it's, uh, it's, it's a shame that they won't be uh, running. But, again, it just kind of, you know, it shows you that not everybody has figured out how to, um, to kind of make the transition from – Top wing to tail wing successfully. There are a handful of guys that uh, that seem to have been a- be able to do that. Jeff Abel, probably the leader of that pack, um, but uh, a couple of other guys as well. And you know, uh, if you don't feel like you can be competitive, then I guess you feel at this point like you know it's a little much of an expense to uh, to not be able to at least be in the hunt. So um, we certainly sure. wish. Yeah. Wish them best. Uh, that wish them the best on the on the Isma circuit throughout the remainder of the season. Um, as for the Oswego regulars, um, probably, uh, well, no, probably about it. I'd say the uh, 
the the big story right now is um, that it's looking like Otto Sitterly after this classic race will head for the Isma Tour and away from weekly competition at Oswego for the first time ever in his career um, since he started running weekly at Oswego. He's kind of um, making that change to uh, winged competition, and um, I've heard I've heard the Oswego cars are for sale. I've heard that was bull. Um, what can you tell us about the status of uh, Otto and his situation? Obviously, this is going to be a big deal for him. If this is his kind of his retirement uh, party, um, he's going to be uh, looking for another ring to put on a finger. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I was reading a comment John Nakota put on Facebook the other day and, and also talking to him up in the tower. And, and, and he'll tell you this every year. It's It's kind of just a a day-to-day thing and, and they take things as they come. But um, yeah, it seems like from what I understand that Otto's going to be stepping away from running Oswego weekly and is still going to run the wing car for sure. Um, maybe it sounds like the 39 might be sold, possibly could hold on to the seven and, and show up a couple times a year. I would hope at least for maybe Mr. Super in the classic. I'm not really sure, but things are, are really kind of unclear right now, but it, it does seem like that we're going to lose Otto as a weekly competitor for next year. And that's, it's obviously a, a tough loss for the speedway and a tough loss for the fans. And even for me personally, that's my whole childhood right there. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a bummer to, to see, to see him, uh, to see him step away from a swiggle, but uh, you know, I'm excited for him and I totally understand why he wants to pursue the Wayne racing and he's already been successful in doing that. So I'm, I'm happy for Otto doing that, and and I wish him all the best with it. Well, that's the way I look at it, too. Everybody's got to do what makes them happy, and Otto certainly is given, I mean, you you couldn't, who knows how many hours of his time, um, you know, to uh, Oswego Speedway and Supermodified Racing over a a number of years now, a long time, Um, you know, because, again, I, I don't think probably people don't realize that, from the time Otto started, he's either owned his own stuff, which means he's been basically his own crew chief, um, more or less, and worked on him all week long, um, or he's driven for John Nakotra, in which at times he's maintained two or three cars at a time. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, Otto has given a ton of time to other people's cars or cars for other people over the years, as well as trying to keep up with his own. And so, um, you know, I, I, and, and he's certainly proven, I think there, there are about four, maybe five drivers that would be on my list of drivers of this era who could, could have, you know, gone back to the, to the old days in the seventies and been really competitive. Um, and I, and I would put Otto at the top of that list. Um, you know, he, he knows how to get a car around, whether it's on dirt or pavement and whatever it is. And so, um, his accomplishments will be legendary forever if this is it for him. And he wants to just, you know, run the, the wing shows and, and take a little breath and, and do some other things. Then, um, you know, I, I, I wish him all the best with that. And, and, you know, I, I, I think he, he deserves nothing but the highest of, um, you know, praise for what he's accomplished. The the hard part of that is that it appears from what you're telling me, um, we lose Otto, but of course, by extension, we also lose Allison Slode because um, 
that was a car that Otto was maintaining and that, <clears throat> excuse me, the, um, you know, Allison was, was paying to drive. Um, and if that car is sold and Allison, uh, from what the rumor mill I'm hearing says is going away from weekly competition as well. So we actually are losing two cars out of the field for next season. Um, unless both of the car, both of the cars get sold and come back weekly with different drivers. Right. It seems that way. Yeah. And, and Allison had said before the year started that this was probably going to be it for her, her last full-time super modified season oh, was wow. the way she put it. Okay. So I don't know if that's for the same reason that, that she knew that Otto was kind of going to be stepping away from full-time racing at Oswego or if it was just the last year she was doing it, I'm not sure. But obviously that's a big loss. The whole Nacocha team is losing them weekly is a big loss. Yeah. I would I would like to think that the seven is going to be back, like I said, a couple times a year for the classic. Maybe they won't be, I don't know, willing to let go of Black Betty just yet. <laughs> that's, that's my hope. But um, you know, it's it is it's just a big loss. But I, I do understand it, and well, all yeah. you can do is wish them well. I mean, look, it's hard. It, it, it longevity in this sport when you do it the way Otto does it. It's one thing if you're just kind of showing up and racing and you got, you know, a bunch of other people that work on your cars and, and not to say Otto doesn't, but you know, Otto has been the main guy for, you know, that whole time that he's been racing and, you know, eventually you just get tired and you want to pull back or, you know, you, you <laughs> yeah. have a situation and, and, you know, Isma doesn't run as many shows as, you know, as Oswego does, and it's also a bit of a challenge for him. It's a new challenge for him. So I don't want to presume, you know, all the reasons why he would uh, want to go away. But as you say, I do get it. And, you know, I uh, I hope he goes out next year and wins the Isma title. Uh, in fact, I think he's leading the points this year, isn't he? <laughs> he may win it he this is. year. <laughs> he is, yeah. I, I hope he gets it this year and you know, next. And, yeah, and I know he's it. looking forward to that new challenge. Yeah. Nice to see him go out and just destroy the field at Lee last month pretty so, much um yeah it's it's gonna be fun to watch that as For well sure. and, and just because he's he's stepping away from oswego doesn't mean we're gonna not see him having success in the sport for right. several years to come yep you just always want th- this is a sport that takes a lot out of you and and if it's not fun then you know it's just another job and it's a job that that costs you a whole lot of money. It never, it, it hardly ever makes you a profit. So, um, you know, again, everybody gets to that point and I would, I would be happy to see him still racing wherever, whether it's his or whatever. Um, and if he, you know, if he comes back a couple times and, you know, runs big races or whatever at a swiggle, that's awesome too. So, uh, that's, but that's, I think going into classic, that's, that's the biggest story among, the Oswego regulars, but when I look through this field, I mean, if you think about uh, how the year started for some of these guys, and and you look at, at drivers like Jeff Abold, um, and even Mike Bruce, I mean, Mike won his fourth time out, and he's had some good runs, um, and obviously Jeff has had some good runs as well, but both of those guys have also had their share of bad luck. More of Mike's has been outside of the big block, but you look at drivers like those two, and even um, a driver like Brandon Bellinger, and you say, you know what, some of these guys are kind of due for a spectacular run in the Classic, and that may come this weekend. It might, yeah. Danny Connors is another one that comes to mind. He had a good podium finish. Yes. And 
in the spring classic. And uh, Brandon is, has always been a threat in the classic. Had his first top five, or I don't know if it was his first top five or first podium. I'll have to check on that a couple of years ago. But how cool would it be to see the O2 back in classic victory lane? Well, for sure. And and it's it's a very realistic possibility. And I, and I didn't mention Danny in that group because I was going to mention Danny as a driver who appears to be, he's, it, it it looks like he's been finally really kind of coming into his own as this year has gone on. And he's a driver among a couple that I would say maybe rides a small wave of momentum going into uh, the classic of positivity to where, you know, he feels like he can go out and contend for a win. And um, and again, that would be an incredibly popular victory if if Danny could get the win and you look at somebody like Joe Gozik and you know again Joe has not had the kind of a year that Joe would have wanted to have but um, I think it says a lot for Joe's passion and commitment still to racing super modifieds at Oswego Speedway when you have an issue with your main car in practice and you know, you basically send for the backup car and race that in the feature. Um, you know, that's uh, that that's something that, that that's just you know you got to still have that drive. Um, and I I would think that Joe is will have the the Hawk car back for the classic. Is that uh, did he has he raced that since since that issue that he had with in warmups there? No. Um... Well, it was really cool, uh, like you mentioned, to see him go back and get the backup car. And obviously the fire still burns after all these years, yeah. that's for sure. So, uh, But, no, they're testing with the hot car tomorrow morning. Okay. And um, I think the other car is sitting, unless he wants to, you know, give me a call. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Another yeah, ride uh, available. <laughs> it's, it's how many years in a row now for, for Joe in the Classic? I've lost track. Oh, gosh, he started in 1980, so 40, 41. 41. 41 yeah. classics. Yep. I mean, and again, he's still competitive. That's what, you know, what really is incredible to, to see here is that Joe is still competitive. And he and, and he's also a guy who, you know, it, it wasn't a generational thing for him. You know, he, he, you know, his dad didn't race or own a car or whatever. I mean, it was, you know, he was just a guy who took an interest and early on, and, you know, look at the career he's had. There aren't many drivers in this sport who, after, you know, 41 years, are still competitive for wins. And, and Joe is, is part of that uh, rare group. So, again, to see the double zero cross the line and take the checkered flag first would probably bring the grandstands down. Oh, it would be, it would be unbelievable. And with the old car this year, he had a heck of a run, finishing in fourth. Yep. And uh, I can't wait to see what he does with the new car. Ballinger, I did look it up. He had a podium in 2017. Yeah, and because we had the earlier classic this year, this is actually Joe's 42nd straight. So. Oh, that! Oh, that's right. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, I forgot. Because we didn't race one last year. So, yeah, we did run it in the spring. So, you're right, 42 classics. <laughs> Amazing <laughs> either way. <laughs> it's hard to believe. It's just incredible. Um, and uh, another storyline we can look at is that Michael Barnes has a chance to make history at the Oswego Speedway as being the first driver to ever win two classics in the same year. I know it, and with two different cars, because I think he's running the new hot. Oh, is he really? Oh, yeah. okay. Wow. Switching good it up. for him. Oh, that's good. I'm glad they're getting that car back on the track. Um, and so, uh, gosh, I mean, 
you know, we could go through and talk about every driver in the field, but I think we know that the guys like Tyler Thompson and, and Dave Schillick Jr. And, and uh, I mean, we mentioned Jeff Abel. You got Dave Danzer had a nice finish a couple weeks ago with a car that didn't seem to be handling like a second-place car. He really did a great job with it. You know, all these these regulars, and I look at a guy, I mean, I, I cannot look at an entry list for the Classic without looking at Hal Tulip and just saying, you know what, thank you to Hal Tulip for supporting exactly. the Speedway yep. all these years. What a story. You know what I mean? Um, and, again, just um, you, you really just want um, that – uh, you know, want that to keep going for him because you need guys like Hal in the field and good to see Jerry Curran still running. Um, this should be a fun classic. Uh, both Levays entered um, and just a, a lot of uh, a lot of potential winners here, a lot of stuff to think about. And, um, you know, one of the busiest classic weekends, uh, you know, that, that we've ever had, I think, nine divisions in action. And even before we get to that, I should also, um, we should bring up the other elephant in the room this year, which is tires, because this is going to be a different situation for the Classic. you got to start the Classic on the tires that you time-trialed on, and I think they're limiting you to, what, two sets or three sets right. for the whole weekend? Yep. So um, you're a driver. How do you think that's going to affect uh, the strategy for approaching the classic is it going to matter? Maybe a little bit. We were talking about it in the shop the other day, and um, it's it's just something to think about when you the way you send the car out to stagger in the time trials for those tires. It, it's going to be, I guess, hard to to judge what to do from from the time trials on Friday to the to the race on Sunday because the tires are obviously just going to sit, and you're going to have to make some adjustments as to what you go out with on Sunday afternoon. See what you come in with Friday and. And just take it from there. I don't think it'll make much of a big difference. I don't think it really matters. But um, it'll just, I, I think, like like with any other time you're on the track, it'll be interesting to kind of watch the stagger and see how everything measures up. Well, the other change is that time trials are actually being run in the afternoon this year, which I love. I miss. Uh, I, I mean, growing up, it was noon to 2 on, on uh, Saturday morning where, where was when the time trials were run, and then they you know, clear everything out and bringing the modifieds for that big show on Saturday night. And um, I love daytime racing and daytime time trials. And I feel like in a sense it now kind of assuming that, and I haven't even looked at the forecast. So I hope the four, I hope the weather's going to be good for the weekend, but if the temperatures are relatively the same, um, you know, Friday afternoon and Sunday afternoon, then the, the way that your car is in time trials on Friday, at least in theory, the track should be about the same as it'll be when we start the classic. Yeah, that's what we were thinking. I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference, really. It, we were just talking about doing what we do any other time and, and just taking a look at our notes and throwing the best setup we can at it. And um, we we kind of missed our, our stagger in the, the time trials in the spring. We time trialed 12th, which I was actually pretty happy with. Yeah. But, um, had we stuck a little more stagger to it, I think we would have been – top 10 so it's just you know the usual games trying to figure out what the track's going to do and I, I think it might i think that's going to really be the big change you notice is, is the afternoon time trials yeah. versus the evening i think that's really going to change the way guys approach this yeah i i think so too and i i really feel like it shakes things up and again um you know i'm a fan first and i love watching the different strategies and kind of 
you know, being able to see how, you know, different people approach things. And I think there's with the afternoon time trials and with the women on tires, um, I think it is going to be a bit of a different uh, thought process and, and could uh, change up the strategy for some, even for the races, uh, the race itself. So that, that, that should be fun to watch. Okay. Um, getting back to nine divisions. Um, I will resist <laughs> the urge to say the following, John, Eric, are you nuts? Um, I didn't say that. I said I'd resist the urge, um, but they got to be crazy, man. But I love it. I love this. I love the, the, the compacts coming in. I love the NEMA, NEMA light. I love, uh, obviously, the, the, the super stocks on Friday night. Dave London Memorial is going to be a killer show. Um, gosh, man, if you if you can't find something to like about this classic weekend, you got the modifieds on Saturday. If you can't find something to like and a reason to show up, um, assuming that you <laughs> – <laughs> You're not like me and in, in our trying to get work conflicts out of the way in order to to do it. But I mean, assuming that you can come up and and uh, and, and you don't find something that you like, you you just don't like racing on the short track because um, if if you like stock cars, we got that. If you like modifieds, got that. If you like little four cylinder cars, got that. And midgets, open wheel midgets, got that too. And, and of course, three classes of supers. What more could you ask for? I know there there is really something for everybody this classic weekend. I love it. Phenomenal car counts in every division, and I know um, <laughs> it's it's going to be crazy. I don't know where they're going to put everybody. That's what I was wondering about. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. Well, I it, it is, and I think again, you know, that's going to be different because aren't the compacts racing on Friday night with the uh, super stocks, or is it just super stocks? Compacts are racing Friday and Saturday That's what I night. thought, it's yeah. the New York State Compacts Friday right. and, and the National Compacts right. Saturday. Yeah, so in theory, um, that, I mean, literally, I wonder if they're going to have to park cars outside of the the gate in the third turn at all because, I mean, I don't know how they're going to fit everybody in the pits on Friday and Saturday if you get 40 or 50 street stocks and you get, you know, 40 or 50 compacts or on Saturday you got – all those divisions, I, I don't know where you park everybody. Saturday is going to be really tricky, I think, because yeah. we're going to have full fields of Nima Midgets, Nima Lights, 24 Modifieds, and then plus the compacts. So the compacts are probably going to have to go out back Saturday. Friday, all the Oswego divisions go out of the pits, but still, you've got 28 compacts registered and 41 okay. super stocks. Okay. So that's still a lot. Yeah, it is. The pit area will be full. And, and again, that's great. That's that's what you want to see. And uh, uh, dare I ask uh, the, the, the forecast, uh, we looking for good weather all weekend, I hope? It is, yeah. Forecast looks Excellent. good. Excellent. Good, good, good. That's what we uh, that's what we want. So um, that way, everybody gets everything in on time and uh, gives the fans comfort that are tra- traveling from any distance that they're going to actually see all the racing. I was a little concerned with the hurricane because you never know when those things are going to track. You know, in such a way, we've, we I think what was it twenty oh eight or twenty oh twenty oh six? One of those early two thousand years. Uh, Gosh, man, the, the the they had a hurricane kind of deal, and it was just mm-hmm. awful. I don't think I've ever seen worse weather over a whole classic weekend than that year. Yeah, 2006, it was terrible. 2006, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was just uh, it was ugly. But, um, okay, so for those who still don't know, not everybody's on Facebook, haven't paid attention to the website, what's the schedule for the weekend, Camden? Uh, busy. 
<laughs> yeah, full. Do, do you want me to read through the whole thing for sure? I mean, days? well, at least the important parts of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, when the gates open, all that, so people know. Yeah, Friday morning we open nice and early. Pit gates <laughs> open at nine thirty. Grandstands at eleven a.m. We'll start warm ups at eleven a.m. They'll run till one o'clock. Time trials start at two o'clock. And the first race for the compacts will go out at 7 o'clock, and then it's the, the whole evening is just stock car racing, the compacts, and the super stocks. Okay. So that is Friday night. On Saturday, we have the modifieds, NEMA midgets, NEMA lights, and the compacts. Pit gates open. Did I say Friday? I meant to say Saturday if Saturday? I didn't say no, Saturday. No, you said Saturday. <laughs> oh, okay, good. <laughs> have more faith open. in yourself, Cam. Losing my mind. I, I thought yesterday at the track, I, I was talking to Matt Germain, and now I'm getting sidetracked. But he, he says, he says, well, you got five days to fix the car. And I said, what do you mean? Today's Wednesday. He says, no, it's, it's Tuesday. I said, oh, it's, it's, it must be classic week because I really can't keep track. But anyhow, pit gate Saturday open at 10.15. First practice goes out at 1 o'clock. First heat race will take the green at 3.30. So that's a bit of an earlier start. Yeah. Nemo will be first, then the compacts. And then the modified qualifying goes out at 4.15. They have no heat races. And then we'll go right into NEMA features at 5.30, the compacts, and then the modified 150. Okay. So, actually, Saturday, if everything stays relatively on time, Saturday might not be a super late last checkered flag. I guess the modifieds would be the last, right? Uh, yep. Might yep. The modifieds a, will be last. You know, yep. Relatively early night on Saturday. I say relatively early <laughs> but you know an opportunity it seems like it should be not yeah. one in the morning uh for, for having all those divisions that that's a nice schedule and then of course sunday's nothing but wall-to-wall super modifieds of various types and uh gates open at what like seven or eight seven thirty okay. that's dreadful in between <laughs> drivers meeting at 9 a.m and ah. warm-ups start at nine forty-five. run till 12 at 12.30, they're going to do the best-appearing car and crew, fastest Canadian and all that good stuff. Any last-chance qualifiers, if needed, at 1 o'clock. And then to follow, we don't have an exact time frame after that, are the front row awards, the $1,000 club award. So the first-time winners, Mike Bruce and Max McLaughlin. Yep. And the group photo with all the 2021 feature winners. And then they're going to roll the 350 Classic to the grid, 40 laps, followed by the SBS Classic, 75 laps. And the 200. Okay. So um, drivers meeting 9 a.m., are they serving coffee and Red Bull at that meeting? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I, I, hope I still so. have to be there, even though I'm yeah, not so racing. Sad. So. I've been to a few of those 9 a.m. driver meetings. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you're kind of there physically, but you're not quite there mentally at that point. So, um, you know, we'll have to uh, – uh, they they probably need to have, like, a fountain of uh, coffee flowing there. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's always fun, and, it, and it's one of the, the rare times of the year that you get to see cars on track that early in the morning, too, and, and that's how you kind of know it's classic. I mean, there are so many little things about classic that, that make it classic, and that's one of them. You don't have um, any other time of the year unless somebody's just running the track at that hour. Um you know, you don't have, you know, anything starting quite that early. And it's a little, it's just a little bit different at nine yep. in the morning than it is at like six in the afternoon or evening or whatever you consider that. So, um, yeah, it's, that's always, uh, always fun. Okay. So 
Um, obviously, OswegoSpeedway.com, um, or if you're on Facebook, check out the Facebook page, um, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, if you can't find what you need to know in any of those places, then uh, um, it's it's an odd question. So uh, the, I think there's still a phone at the Speedway. Call them and ask them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there uh, is. It's ringing off. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Yeah. Um, so uh, it sounds good. It sounds like we've got good fields for everybody. I know the 350s will have a good field. SBS um, should should have a good field. Uh, kind of interested to see. I know uh, Andy Loden actually jumped into an SBS car. For Dennis Rupert a couple weeks ago, and had, had a bit of a difficult time adjusting in the heat race, uh, but um, <laughs> but he's he's well first time in open wheel, and and you know you you he this is a three time consecutive Hickory Motor Speedway late model champion. It's is not he? as if oh, oh yeah oh yeah oh, Andy. Wow. Andy um, Andy grew up in Western New York in the Williamson area. Started his career racing super stocks at Spencer, and okay. um, and then moved oh. south, and um, you know, and and became you know a big time racer at Hickory. And his son wow. Nick now is carrying on the tradition, and Nick is mm-hmm. in his third year of pro late model racing, um, and has won several four features, I think, this year with the Carolina pro late model series. But anyways, Andy, Andy been retired a while and, and, you know, had always kind of had the, the itch to go racing at Oswego. And, um, so he, he was put on to the opportunity to drive with this car for Dennis Rupert and, you know, it's a different driving style when you have open wheels and, and you, you know, you kind of have to approach passing differently and whatever. So he learned, let's put it like that. But the car was fast and he was, he was, uh, he was excited to be able to get out and, and sort of scratch that itch. And he's really looking forward to, uh, to the classic this weekend. Uh, and, and he'll be one to watch for sure. Cause that he'll have that car perking. And so um, it's fun again to see those some of those guys come in, just like it was fun, obviously, to watch Max all year in the Super. Um, you know that, that come in from different disciplines, and um, you know right. to see them adjust and all that. So yeah, Andy, uh, Andy will be, I'm sure, one to watch this weekend in the 29 on the SBS side of things. But until you look good, yeah, look really good, yeah. I mean, the speed was there. Like I said, it's just a matter of adjusting the. The, the mental programming, because, again, it's a little different uh, from, you know, a stock car to open wheel and, and kind of, you know, how you're successful in each. And Andy's had no open wheel experience whatsoever. What you saw there was that that's it. So um, he's he's definitely wow. looking forward to coming back. And it was it was interesting to see that he came back and, and was able to have that much speed right out of the gate. Because, um, again, those cars aren't the easiest in the world to drive, right? You've, no, you've been in no, them. I mean, it's not as if, you know, you could just jump in and and uh, and do well. So, um, you know, I'm sure he'll uh, he'll be a, a threat this weekend. But, yeah, should be a good feel in all the cars. Uh, anything else that we missed, Cam, that we need to know? We can I can read you over the SBS and 350 entry list. We just finished them up this morning, but I can, yeah, I can read them out here through. now. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we got about ten minutes left. Yeah, Dan Kapazinski in the double zero, Robbie Worth in the 04, Griffin Miller in the nine, Mark Denny Jr. in the fourteen, Andrew Shardner in the eighteen, Josh Shakolik in the twenty six, David Latulip in the twenty seven, Andy Loden in the twenty nine, Robbie Bruce in the thirty two, AJ Larkin in the thirty five. A.J. Burnus in the 39. That's the Russ Bartlett car. Yes. Josh Wallace in the 49. Derek Hilton in the 66. 
Ray Sand in the 71. We haven't seen him this year. I was going to say. Noah Ratcliffe in the 73. Mike Bond in the 74. Cameron Rowe in the 77. The Haynes brothers, Brian and Brad, in the 86 and the 88. And the second and third, Greg O'Connor racing entries, Tony Pisa in the 89. And Greg in the 90. And lastly, are you sitting down? I am. Russ Brown in the number 13. Really? Wow, there's some breaking news. It is. Very Goodness breaking. gracious. I just found out this morning. So it's it's uh, <laughs> Russ Brown and Mike Bond and, and Danny Kay and, and David Latulip and Andrew Shartner. And, and now suddenly we, we have a very healthy mix of talented veterans and a lot of very talented rookies and it's this is going to be a fun classic to to watch this year josh sokolik has had a great year i mean there's there's a lot of cars there's there's some rookies that are capable of winning this race so i'm I'm looking forward to it oh for sure i mean it's going to be awesome what's funny about this is i i'm not sure how old uh brownie is compared to mike bond um Mike, I don't even know. I don't even want to speculate because I'll, I'll, I'll screw it up. But one of them is probably <laughs> the veteran driver in the field. I don't know of anybody that would have been racing longer in, in the division than either of those two that's, that's, you know, that's still racing now. So, um, that's entered for this weekend. So that's pretty, uh, that, that's pretty interesting. I, uh, uh, I'm happy to see Russ coming back. That's, um, you know, he obviously hadn't raced all year. Um, and I don't think he's even, he didn't get on the track at all last year. I don't think either because of the, uh, is that, I wonder if they still have the same car. I guess they would, right? I haven't heard that that car was ever sold. They, they've sold a couple of their cars. Actually, AJ Larkin has one of them and Ray Sand has the other, but this was an older Hedger car that, that Ray Hedger decided to redo. And, oh. um, I, I only found out because people were saying that Ray Hedger bought tires at the track the other day. So I messaged Russ, and he was like, yes. And, and by the way, is there any track rental space on Thursday? <laughs> I, said, I said, well, Russ, let me see if I can get you hooked up with that. He's so, got to blow um, off the rust. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think he'll have any rust. But, you know, he's the original SBS track champion in, in 1992. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think he's uh, probably about the oldest guy in the field now. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's done it the longest. Yeah, I don't yeah. know who's older, him or yeah. Mike. I'll have to. Find I've got to believe it's one or the other. I don't. I can't think of anybody else uh, that would be older than either of those two. Um, but that's great. I mean, yeah, I knew Andrew was coming back, and I'm excited to see that. Um, and you know, you, you've got guys. I, I love to see again. There's guys like AJ Burnus who can't race weekly, but. Still love to to do the big races. You got loading there, um, so you get kind of that new uh, new smaller group of guys that that you know that make this more interesting. And the I think if you look through from top to bottom, and even just look at the quality of the cars, um, not factoring in the drivers, I think the SBS division is as competitive now as it's been. Since its inception in the early 90s, we had a couple of years in the early part of that where, I mean, they were putting on far better shows than the Supers. The There were, you know, 10, 12, 15 guys that could win on any given night, and there, there, the racing was amazing. Um, and I think we're about back to that now. 
Uh, you know, with that being said, until somebody proves they can beat Mike Bond in a classic, if somebody's asking me who I'm picking, Mike Bond, because uh, I just, <laughs> I mean, I don't see, I, I don't see it. I, I, I don't know what they're doing over there, um, but uh, obviously they've got that car figured out uh, because he doesn't just win. He basically half tracks the I mean he blows the field away um in every one of these classics so there's there they've got something figured out that nobody else has been able to tap into yet um and it should be uh interesting to see if maybe you know some of these guys this year can can have a shot at that but uh you know he's the guy to beat until somebody proves they can (laughs) I agree yeah yeah these guys have a lot of catching up to do but there's definitely a good handful of them that I think are are very capable. You mentioned Chardner and, and Ross, of course, and, and Danny Kay, and I think Josh Sokolik's very capable. And, and then there's more than I'm missing, but, man, it's it's been an unbelievable run for Mike. He's he's won, let's see, one, two, three, four, five classics five in, in a row. row. That's, yeah. just, that's just unheard of. And that's his eighth eighth career classic that he won earlier this year. That's just incredible. But it, it is. Um, and the thing is, like, I don't I – don't, I was going to say I don't know if you'll ever see that again in any division except that jeff battle is <laughs> he's working on his own mike bond yeah. imitation in the 350s so uh um you know that i i, I don't want to put that out there because i you know I, we may see it in the 350 class but um you know it's i mean it's hard to win five of those in a row and like i said they've got something that nobody else has because um you know that it's not just about you know, when you when you have a run of success, usually it's a combination of you having the right combination, but also you have to have a little luck in there. You know, you're you're running second, somebody's got your number one night, and you're running second, and they blow a motor or something, and you kind of just have that little bit of luck that keeps it going. Um, if you look back through history, you know, a lot of the guys, that's kind of how it's gone in, in the sport is, you know, Luck contributes greatly to that. With Bond, it's not even about luck. Yes, the car has finished all those races um, and and been, you know, well put together. But, you know, he just goes there and clearly outdrives. Like, it, it's nobody can keep up with him. And so you would think, I mean, and I'm happy, by the way, if Danny's running the double zero livery for Classic, that's awesome. Because yes, yeah. that's awesome. Um, that is awesome. You know, and, and, and honestly... Um, you know, I mean, I, it would be cool. Uh, and (laughs) I mean, I know you love to be in, in the car, but it would be cool also to see Danny jump in the backup double zero because, you know, Joe was always his idol growing up and, uh, that I just, those things make for fun stories. Um, but you know, you, you gotta wonder if Joe would want to race both cars. I mean, that's, you know. Um, that's uh, a lot of extra expense unless somebody's kind of bringing it. So, um, right. you yep. know, but, uh, but I, I do think we could see Danny Kay in the, uh, the, the crazy eight or 88 or whatever number they make it. Um, but yeah, fun stuff. SBS go, let's go with the three fifty. Yeah. There's 23, three fifties registered and that's a, a great car count. I think we'll see over 25, 22 SBS. So, uh, great to see the resurgence of both of these classes. Um, in a nice mix of New England and, and New York yet again. Uh, we have Barry Kingsley in the 06. Nice to see him get his car fixed after a nasty wreck. Yes. Dalton Doyle in the 08. Ralph Clark in the 5. Nick Kinney in the 7. Bobby Timmons in the 13. Jeff Battle in the 14. Ben Tinker in the 19. Kyle Perry in the 20. Eddie Whitcomb Jr. in the 21. 
Mike Bruce in the 22, Kelly Spaulding in the 23. Bobby Holmes is filling in for Tom McLeod in the 32. He's uh, he's from Buffalo, I think, does some racing at Lancaster. Okay. Um, Brian Sobis will be in the 45 for yep. Mike Barbera. James Whitcomb in the 46. We haven't seen him this year. John Tesserario in the 47. Dave Cliff in the 50. Mike Nettishin in the 55. James Caps the third in the 64. Bruce Racing to be announced. I'm going to assume that's Bobby Magner in the 72 again. Yes. Mike Petty in the 79. Chase Locke in the 88. Boy, has he been fun to watch this year. For sure. Vern Lefebvre in the 97. And Tyler Thompson in the 98. So, again, with the 350s, a lot of first-timers who should be very competitive um, and some who have had very little experience in the 350 car, if any. So, again, we get kind of a field that, that has a lot, of, uh, a lot of different flavor to it and a lot of stories within the story. So, um, you know, you get 24 or 25 of those, that's going to be a heck of a race Sunday uh, is is just going to be amazing, honestly. Uh, if you cannot get to the track, make sure that you dial up Flow Racing because you're not going to want to miss anything this weekend. And they've done a great job all season with their coverage, and uh, it's been good for me not being able to obviously be there every week to be able to watch that and, uh, and still keep up. And so um, that should be uh, a fantastic race itself, the 350s. Somebody needs to figure out how to knock uh jeffrey battle off the uh off the top and i think you got again you've got guys that are close um you know gosh uh chase Locke has been you know has been right there and you know yeah he's close yeah you know and i think a few of these other guys i would not be at all surprised to see james wickham up there uh you know you got some guys out of new england that are coming that i think could contend and i think there's a few of the oswiggle guys that are you know that are close so you know it's going to be uh going to be an interesting race for sure it is yeah i think the gap between the new england cars and the oswiggle cars as far as speed is concerned and and how competitive they've been it's it's closing yes Uh, you got a, a lot of oswiggle guys that are just as good as the the best new england guys now so that's that's been neat. Uh, like Dave Cliff, for example, really held his own, held off Jeff Battle almost near one a feature uh, at Can of Wayne's Night. And Dalton Doyle, he's been working on his stuff, has, has gained a lot this year. Nick Kenny, and those are just, you know, a few. Tyler Thompson, he's been fantastic in the 350. So there's another one that I think could really threaten the New England guys. Yes, I agree. Totally. Um, 100%. So it should be a fun weekend. Uh, and Camden, appreciate your time as always, my friend. Sorry that you're not going to be able to compete, but uh, I know that you will do a great job with PR and, and uh, keeping people up to date throughout the weekend and, and look forward to being back in the saddle for 2022 um, stronger than ever. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. That is Camden Proud and back to, well, Talk about classic when Inside Groove returns. Don't go anywhere. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorcustomtrailers.com. Welcome back to The Groove. 
And, of course, uh, I want to get to some classic talk. But before we do, um, the number 83 is a number that I, again, every once in a while you come across a number and I either think that I'm just losing my brain, which I know is true, (laughs) honestly, but um, I just had a hard time with it. Uh, Wayne Landon is the obvious for me as a racer growing up in Oswego in the seventies. Wayne was a driver who um, was big in the, I think late sixties, early seventies, and then went away from Oswego for a while. And of course I told the story a couple weeks ago of uh, Billy Law and Wayne deciding to build a car for the 76 classic and basically telling or Warren Conium hearing, I don't know if it was a direct conversation that, you know, we're going to build a car in 10 days and <laughs> come and race the classic. And Warren Conium said, if you can build a car in 10 days and, and qualify for the classic, I'll eat your left front tire. Well, they did. And so I think it was uh, Robert Metcalf or somebody, I can't remember, um, one of our longtime listeners, I apologize, uh, can't remember who it was, but um, after that episode came out, said that uh, it was Marie's Sweet Shop, because I couldn't remember who the bakery was or where the cake came from, but uh, Marie's Sweet Shop, um, which I remember the name, I don't remember anything about it, but I remember Marie's anyway, um, I remember the name. Marie's Sweet Shop uh, apparently donated a cake that was in the shape of a of a tire, so Warren could eat the left front tire, and uh, presented it to him at uh, one of the fall races that year. Um, really fun deal, and that brings me to uh, where I want to start talking about the classic, because I think that story sums up. For me, what classic is, but um, to get back to Wayne for a moment, Wayne ran for two or three years with Billy Law, and and I don't know whatever happened to the car that they built, um, but uh, eventually Wayne stopped running and then uh, came back. And raced for Ernie and Bob June. And I want to say there might have been one or two other cars he got in for like one-offs in between there. But I'm not sure. Uh, but I know he came back and ran for the Junes for a good good while. Uh, and then finally retired for good. But Wayne was, uh, Wayne was a great racer out of Michigan. Uh, I, would, I would imagine uh, Sandusky... Uh, you know, all the tracks in Ohio. Um, I know there used to be a series called Trisac that was a Midwest-based series. I'm sure he was a big force in that. Um, but he was a great racer, and he was a he was a gentleman. He was a really, really nice guy. Uh, just had a great time. And, you know, there were a couple of other 83s, I think, along the way. Uh, I want to say there was... Uh, a Dawson, Bob Dawson, Larry Dawson. Uh, there was a Dawson, I think there was 83. And I want to say there was one more that I'm not thinking about. Um, 
And then, of course, I'm sure there were probably times when you had a number like 33 that became 83 because somebody else had a 33. But um, as far as actually, you know, pure 83s, I think uh, those were the two that I remember. It wasn't a number that was used very often. If anyone can uh, go back further than than Wayne in the mid-70s um, or uh, go further toward today from, um, I know it was Dawson. I cannot remember the full name, but um, again, I know you'll all help me. And that's the point of this. After all, I start it, you finish it. Uh, I like having fun with these and it just gets conversation going. That's good. And it's always fun to have good conversation. It's positive conversation. Um, so uh, let's have some fun with that. Um, but again, I, that that story about Wayne Landon and Billy Law and Warren Conium, I think, is so emblematic. I wanted, I was, I was thinking about doing another classic rewind, but honestly, this is classic week. We've already had cars on the track, cars testing. We 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 know the entry list. Um, I mean, it's it's Thursday as I finish this up and get this out, so you all get to to have it to just listen to. Uh, you know, either tonight or Friday between events or whatever, all weekend, just digest it in pieces. I know some of you do that. Um, and that's fine, of course. Um, but um, I, I thought that it would be more fun just to kind of riff a little bit about this. What does classic mean to me? You know, and I think all of us could ask that question. What is classic for us? Obviously, it's the biggest supermodified race on the planet. We know that. And all of the stuff that happens on the track, the the moments of just unbelievable surprise, you know, upset specials, you know, Tim Snyder, uh, Bentley winning in 98 at 57 years old or whatever he was at the time in Jeff's ba- Jeff West backup car. Um the moments where, you know, the unexpected happens. Jeff Abold, um, and again, with gentle respect to, to Shu Two running out of fuel that year, you know. But that's part of it. That's what, you know, Michael Barnes, when, when Tyler runs dry. Um, th- those moments, I think, are what we all live for. You know, um, the moments that are unexpected, when when the guy that that's the heavy favorite if there even is such a thing anymore, um, certainly there were years when you would you would say this one or that one, Swifty or Champagne or Siprich or Dates or or whoever it happened to be. Um, when the years when they don't win, and, and not that you not that you wish for that, but it's just to me a race like the classic. It's it's it's. The, it's best when there's drama at the end and, and the Hollywood moment. You know, Jimmy leading all 200. Um, again, I'm partial. He was my guy. But um, the fact that he led all 200 is the accomplishment, right? And and now if somebody else does it, it's still a great accomplishment, but he won't, it's it's already been done once. So the, the moments when you have that that just incredible Hollywood kind of thing. Danny Kapazinski finishing fifth, Doug Havron finishing third. I think that was the same year. Uh, oh, something. Oh, four, oh, five, oh, six, somewhere in there. Um, I think 
that that year, neither one of them, you know, again, you, you wouldn't have guessed that, <laughs> you know. Um, and so those are those career moments for, for drivers. You know, Doug, certainly um, it was the fact that he was running a car that, that raced in 1982, right? Um, you know, what was that Clyde Booth quote? Doug brought a uh, donkey to the Kentucky Derby and finished third, right? Um, and uh, great that Doug is going to be on hand this weekend for Classic. And see, now we can talk about what Classic means to me because for me, it's great that <clears throat> there's this big race, right? Um, and and the race is amazing. And I will say race is because, again, we got you know, we got nine of them this year. <laughs> um, all the contract stuff is great. But to me, seeing old friends, um, the the time in the campgrounds, just chilling and talking about racing and bench racing and you know, all that stuff, having a good time, um, the anticipation of what's going to happen on the track um the, you know, just the, the, the smell in the air, the electricity, the wind up, um, you know, all of that is what makes an event special. Right. Um, and for me, and I know that probably I'm going to guess 80% or higher of you in this audience, uh, there's no other race. I mean, everything else is second. I've done the Coca-Cola 600 a number of times. Um, and I get to do it in a way that is just as humbling as it gets. Because as media, they, Charlotte Motor Speedway takes good care of the media. Um, you know, and it's it's a huge event. The way that they uh, honor the military. The, the Lee Greenwood, God bless the USA, in person. Um you know, all of the, the pomp and circumstance that leads up to the green flag at Charlotte. It's incredible. It's not classic. Um, I've been to the Indy 500 once. Thank you, Rick Nelson and Kathy. Um, that, <laughs> that's the only thing that comes close. And I said it that way on purpose. For me, we did have a choice before a weekend, right? And unfortunately, I didn't get to come up for, for that classic either, but... If I had a choice between going to Indy and going to the Classic on the same weekend, I'm all about me some Supermodifieds. Uh, it's not even a contest. Um, as, as, as unbelievable of an event, and I recommend everybody, I don't care if you like IndyCar or not, that event, the, the, it's just, it is, I think it is the greatest spectacle in racing. That's how they build it for decades now. And I, I will 100% agree with that. It's not the classic. Um, and here for me, and I've really tried to think about this here for me is the difference. The classic is all of the drama and the wind up and the electricity and the just the the, the um, aura of the Indy 500 in a much more confined space, way less people. You know, 
it's it's a smaller group of people. It to me the beauty of racing is the family aspect, the lifestyle of it, the seeing everybody when you go to the classic, you see people you don't see all year. Um, there are people who live right here in North Carolina with me. I never see them all year. We go to the classic, they're there. I, I have not seen Andrew Shartner. I don't think maybe since last classic, <laughs> there's an example, or maybe one or two times in the fall. Cause we usually do some football Sundays together, go out and eat somewhere and, 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 and do football games together. We both enjoy that. Um, so probably last fall, but I, I mean, I haven't, I don't remember. Um, and of course last year obviously was an anomaly anyway. Um, so it's been a while since I've seen Keith Champagne, you know, it's, you, you're kind of so busy in your lives that you just, even if you're in the same state or the same area, you just don't get to connect. Um, and it's terrible. We all should stop and do that. It just gets hard to do it. Well, so we all gather at Oswego and there's everybody. <laughs> there we are. Right. And, uh, so Larry Trinka getting to come up from Tennessee with, with that, that beautiful Joya, Joya nine, um, you know, Kempton dates and, 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 and the family being back at the track, or at least some of them, uh, with the 28 car this weekend, I don't know if either of those cars, I don't think either of them will be on the track, but, um, you know, being able to those that's to me, that's classic. It's, it's almost the, just the atmosphere, the common sense that everybody's having a good time, um, <laughs> probably except for the drivers whose luck isn't going very well, but you get the idea. Um, it's just the event. It's seeing the family and I hate that I'm not going to be there. Um, and I think the reason I kind of realized all of this is because I, I started thinking about, I can still watch the, the on track stuff because it's all on flow or at least, you know, the, the, the qualifying and the racing is, I don't know how much of practice they'll show. We'll find out, <laughs> find out in about 24 hours, but, um, you know, but, but it's all, it's all there. Um, so you can at least watch it, even though you're not in the middle of it and it's not the same, obviously, but at least you can watch it. But what you can't do if you're not there is you can't connect with the people. You can't see the people. You can't have a good time in the campground. You can't, these are the things to me that make classic what it is that that part of it right there. Um, and here's why I brought this up. I'm going to just, it's the, I'm going to do a minor soapbox here and I, and I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to darken the mood. I'm actually trying to lighten it. I think it's that part of it. It's if last year taught us nothing, it's taught us that it cannot be there at all. Last year, we all, you know, we, every one of us in our bones, and this is, you know, just how I started the show. Can you feel it in your bones? It's classic week. Can you feel it in your bones? And, you know, the thing I love about this podcast is a lot of times it happens over a period of days. So, <laughs> you know, there's a span of time that goes on to record this um, segment this day and another one next. And, you know, at the end of the week, it's done and here you are. Um, 
one of the cool things about that is is it it has a chance to grow and things have a chance to happen as as things go. So it's Thursday night. I mean, when I got up this morning in North Carolina, walked out on to my deck, and it was just that it there was no humidity, and there was just that slight little chill. Not anything that you know put the sweater on or whatever. Just just that slight chill, refreshing chill in the air that that made it feel like classic. And I think that for me and I would imagine for a lot of you, you know, last year we every year we feel that. You know when it's classic week. You just it's it you just know it in your bones. And last year there was no classic. So if that taught us nothing, it should it should have taught us that we need to be thankful that right now there there are cars on the track testing and there's going to be a classic, you know, and 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 God bless the Teresi family for doing last year's classic earlier this year. Um, but, you know. It, it and I I would love to see a, a big race like that every year on Memorial Weekend. I think it's great. Um, the Port City used to be a huge event for the supers and mods, and it, and it was kind of second to the classic in my opinion. Um, in in you know they used to do other double headers, but the Port City because it oftentimes was the first race or, or very early in the schedule, then classic kind of the bookends and. You know, um, those two are huge races. So I, I'd love to see a, a big event like that every year, Memorial Weekend. But there's only one classic, and it's Labor Day weekend. It's right now. It's happening. And we, we when you start wanting to scream about rule changes or, you know, whine and complain about this or that, I, there's nothing, look it, I bring up things, there's nothing wrong with discussion. It should be always with the idea that we're going to make the class better. We should be discussing it in a way that's productive, that that doesn't, um, you know, that isn't angry, that isn't, you know, uh, and, and, and look it, <laughs> voice of experience here, I'm the first to admit, okay, um, with age comes maturity, Um Sometimes. And so uh, I think it's okay to want to talk about tires or talk about rules or talk about whatever in a very sort of, you know, conversational, constructive way. But I think when we start, you know, lashing out and start being angry and start just, it's like we got to remember last year there was no classic. And so um, is it killing me not to be up there? Those of you who've known me longer than 10 minutes, it is. But um, duty calls, and, and I'm, I've been working on a major media project here for about 10 months. Um, and it's kind of fought us all the way. And we're, we're, we're finally kind of down to, uh, you know, down to the, the last quarter of the race, so to speak, with it. And so it's just requiring me to sort of be available um, to be, you know, working on things, uh, as you know, the next couple days go through and I just couldn't, you know, couldn't get up there, but I know I can watch it. Thank God for flow racing. Right. So, um, 
I hate it, but you know, it's it, what's going to happen is once this this project actually uh, launches, uh, it's it's going to make ways for me to do even more uh, with all of my stuff, including this show, more coverage, more conversations, more of everything really. So, um, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's been a, it's, it's been a, it's, it's just been an amazing, uh, journey to go through with this thing, this idea that, that I had. And it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of evolved into something completely different. And yet, you know, uh, I think much more what it should be from what, uh, I originally had planned to do. And so, um, again, just a timing issue, not good for me to be up there and, uh, slow this down. I can sit here and watch while I'm also working. If I need to, I don't have that ability. If I'm at the track and you know, if I was there, I'm not going to be wanting to do any work. Um, so it's, it's kind of just more a decision born out of necessity than anything. Um, there's next year, there will be a classic. I'm sure. I hope I pray. Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll hopefully be able to, to come up and really, uh, have some fun and do some cool things while we're there. But with that being said, again, um, I'm just thankful that there is a classic. And so here's how I'm going to close this. First of all, uh, I want to, for, for Jody London, who to, again, this is, this is awesome. Um, seeing the super stocks, all the, the, the two compact divisions, Jody has worked his tail off. Um, I didn't have the chance to, to kind of get him on here before uh, to preview, but um, I I am just so excited to watch tomorrow night and Saturday night. Um, so, Jody, thank you for all of your efforts. Really, really, really from the bottom of my heart, because I know how hard promoting races is. I've done it. Um, and uh, you are awesome. So thank you, and, and I hope you have a great race. Hope everybody in those divisions is safe. Um, Teresi, same thing. Um, you know, thank you for keeping a Swiggo Speedway going. We may, you know, not everybody's going to agree on everything. That's part of it. It's called life. But at the end of the day, I'm just thankful that there's still something there for me to be missing this weekend. Cause if it wasn't there, we'd all be missing it. And, um, this weekend would just be a bummer, honestly. Um, so, uh, you know, and thanks to all of the drivers and teams, past and present uh, for all of the blood, sweat and tears that they put in and everybody who, you know, works the track, you know, everybody who, who, who helps make it happen because we're all fans first. And um, I really thought about it this year, probably more than I have in quite a while. The fact that um, for me, I, I enjoy motorsports as a fan more so than as a media person or, you know, any of the other uh, roles that I've had in the sport. Um, even when I'm doing those things, I'm doing it. I've always tried to do it from the perspective of a fan. So, you know, if I'm talking to a driver, I want, I want to, I want that driver to tell me their story. I want stories. I want, you know, experiences. And that's, 
Um, the classic cannot. I, there are a couple of people that are going to be watching with me on Sunday, I think, that have never seen a classic. They've, they know what a super is. They've heard a lot of stories, never seen a classic. Um, and, you know, to me, the classic must be experienced. It cannot just be discussed. It's one of those, like the Indy 500, every race fan should go to the Indy 500 once, whether you're a big IndyCar fan or not. You've never seen anything like that. It is the greatest spectacle in racing. The pre-races uh, from about 6 in the morning till the race starts is like nothing you've ever experienced or ever will in the sport. And the classic, to me, is on the, the short track equivalent of that. So um, if you're at the classic in any way, capacity, shape, or form, fan, driver, official, team owner, whatever. Um, I hope you're safe, number one. I want everybody to have a safe weekend. I want everybody to really, really appreciate and not take for granted because last year it wasn't there. I want everybody to appreciate the weekend. Um, I also want to, to our Canadian friends who cannot be there, even though they want to be, um, I, I, I'm with you. I feel you 100%. I'm definitely feeling your pain. Um, you know, I hope that you'll be able to all watch on Flow Racing too. Um, you know, thank you so much uh, for your uh, support of the division. And I, there's a lot of Canadian teams, uh, guys like, well, I don't even want to start because I'll forget somebody, but uh, drivers and owners and whatever that have been, uh, you know, even crew members or whatever that have been um, supporting the Oswego Speedway and Super Modifieds for decades. So, um, you know, let's all let's all get ready. And whether you're there in person or you're there uh, or you're somewhere else watching on Flow Racing, let's all go racing. Let's all have a safe and successful Classic Weekend so we can come back and talk about nothing but exciting things on Episode 84 of the Inside Groove in about a week's time. Until then, for... All of our sponsors, Skip's Fish Fry and JNS Paving, and of course, IPC Indian Jeff West. Good luck, Jeff and Bobby. Um, praying especially for uh, safety for you guys, because uh, um, frankly, that crash at uh, uh, Lorraine, I think it was, just scared the crap out of me. That was that was a scary crash. Glad Greg was okay, um, and I hope he gets back into the car again, because that's a terrible way to end your career. Um, on a circumstance like that. So hopefully we'll see Greg back eventually, but uh, good luck, Jeff and Bobby with a new car. Uh, hope you have a great run and thanks for your support of the show. Thanks to all of you who listen, please share and have a great classic weekend. God bless everybody. So long. You've been listening to inside groove powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive aerospace and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of 